Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Father, we thank you tonight. We're so grateful for the word. We're so grateful for the Holy Spirit who is in this place tonight. He's in us and he's there to help, assist. And we look to the divine genius on the inside of us as the teacher tonight that we may hear that we may see, that we may receive all that you have for us. And Father, we purpose to not just be hearers only, but to be doers of the word. And Father, we look to you tonight and we thank you tonight for words that bring heaven to earth. And we give you thanks and praise. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles tonight. Let's go to John chapter 2. I had something just drop in my heart, and uh, even though it's quite simple, listen, the the longer I preach, the simpler I want my messages to be, because simplicity shows skill. Um, For someone who is skillful, you can put a very difficult task in front of them, but if they're skillful in that arena, it's simple for them. And uh, Jesus said to Dad Hagen, he said, if you ever hear a sermon that's hard to, hard to figure out, hard to follow, hard to understand, he said, it didn't come from me. Because he said, I was dealing in my teachings with farmers and sheep herders, and I was dealing with the common everyday man. And he said, Uh, I preached so that the common everyday man could understand. And he said, when you hear a complicated message, he said, I didn't give it. Because God wants us to get it. He wants us to get it. Dad Hagen said that when he was pastoring, that he had a little boy in his church that was about 12 years old. And something uh, with him mentally never fully developed. And he ended up with the intellect of about a four-year-old. And he said, when I was learning to pastor and sermonizing and putting my sermons together, he said, after every Sunday service, I would go to that little boy and say, did you understand the sermon I preached today? And he said, no. And he said, after several weeks, he said, I knew I've got to simplify it. And he said, after several weeks, I would go back to him. And he said, I'd ask him, did you understand my sermon today? And he said, no. So he said, in my sermon writing, he said, I began to take it down more and simplify it. And he said, I went to him one day and asked him, did you understand my sermon day? He said, a little bit. And Brother Hagin said, I know I'm on the right track. So he said, I simplified it further. And he said, I went to him one last time and said, did you understand the sermon day? He said, yes, Pastor, I understood today. That's, if, if, if people don't understand, we missed our mark. So that's what I'm saying. I, I look for simplicity because it, it puts handles on things for people. And if they don't get a handle on it, they, it won't change their life. And so I thank God for God keeping it simple for us. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. John chapter 2 and verse 1. And it reads, In the third day, 
there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Now, see, when you hear this and, Woman, what have I to do? The, the way the American mind processes that is, is it's a, disre- a disrespect and almost a disregard woman. But in that day, it was an honor. It was a title. The way he would say it was not a disregard for her. It was an honor to her. And he said, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. So she said something to him. He replies back. And then I love verse 5. His mother said unto the servants. So she's done talking to him. (laughs) I love this. She told him. And a mother can talk to a son in a particular way that, you know, nobody else can. So he answered her and says, my, my hour is not yet come. And his mother wasn't even discussing it with you. I'm, I've already told you. So she turns to his servants and says, Whatever he, whatsoever he says unto you, do it. In other words, you're doing something. You're saying something to these people. <laughs> and this was, this was his transition from being a carpenter to being a miracle worker. And this was the first miracle we have record of. And uh, she helped him make that transition (laughs) from being a carpenter to now you're going to start being the miracle worker. And uh, in this first miracle, and we're not going to read the whole passage, but in this first miracle, we see the instruction for every miracle. And it comes from his mother's mouth. Whatsoever he says to you, do it. This is the entrance into every miracle. Every answer you need, whatever he says to you, whether he says it to you through the word or whether he says it to you by the spirit, whatever he says to you, do it. And it would benefit you to take, and tonight, for time's sake, we're not going to do it, but for it would benefit you to take every single word in that statement and emphasize it. Whatsoever he says to you, whether it makes sense or not, whatsoever. Whatsoever he saith, not whatsoever your finances say, not whatsoever uh, relatives may say, not whatsoever, you know, society may say, whatsoever he says to you, do it. And uh, the, the part, though, that I wanted to bring out tonight is, is something here. Mary made this instruction. Notice When she said, uh, whatsoever he says to you, do it. She knew something about what he says. Evidently, she, she gave this instruction because she knew how Jesus already lived. How did he live? Jesus said, I only do what I see my father do. I only, only say what I hear my father say. She knew that about him. And so she gives an instruction based on that and says, whatsoever he says to you, do it. Because she knew that what would come from him would come really from the Father. And so uh, to receive a miracle, God gives man something to do. Notice she said, whatsoever he says to you, do it. So every miracle involves your doing. It's not just God doing something. But man has a role to play in his own miracle. And if he won't take that role then that miracle will be bypassed. (laughs) Amen. Because there is a God's part, a God's side to every miracle, but there's a man's side 
to every single miracle. And so, God, when we need a miracle, you better be listening. What is my part in my miracle? Richard Roberts, when he came to our church, he quoted his dad on something, a statement that I love. And his, he said his dad would say every day, miracles are coming to you or going past you. And uh, that's not just a flippant statement by a preacher. That's from somebody who wa- had walked with God for decades and knew how God worked. And uh, you say, well, how do I keep it from going past me? The same way blind Bartimaeus kept it from going past him. He called out. Jesus was coming his way, and Jesus was not making blind Bartimaeus his destination. He was was going somewhere else. But in route, blind Bartimaeus heard him and started calling out. And so... uh, Part of receiving a miracle is you got to do some saying. You got to do some calling. Amen. Amen. So when we need a miracle, because whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. When we need a miracle, he's going to give us something to obey. And uh, that's a kindness to us. And sometimes I have seen through the years of ministry that sometimes what he gives us to obey is as simple as simply showing up. (laughs) Just show up. People are looking for something big and hard and noble, something dramatic, something spectacular. And I have seen that people will just show up. God's power will meet them. God's help will be offered them. Amen. So my sermon title tonight is Show Up for Your Miracle. There it is. And this came to me by the Holy Ghost. So this is not just what Pastor Nancy said. The Holy Ghost is saying, just show up for your miracle. You don't even have to be the smartest person in the room. Just show up in the room. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. There was a man who years ago came to our church. He attended, him and his family attended for a time, he really attended a very short amount of time. And uh, he was probably in his mid-30s or so. And his family stayed in the church, but he left after maybe a a short time. And several years later, he came back to the church. But when he came back, he was in a a dire physical condition. He had uh, gotten AIDS and because of AIDS, it opened the door to cancer and tuberculosis. I mean, he was, he had a death sentence over his head several times over. And he came to a Sunday service and had my husband to lay hands on him, and the power of God went into him. And my husband said something to him by the Spirit, because my husband would say something, not, he didn't just say something because it would get the crowd going. He said things like this because it was what the Spirit prescribed for someone. And my husband said to him by the Spirit, he said, uh, because every Friday night we had a miracle service at that time. And my husband said, you come back Friday night and you give testimony to your healing. He said, do you understand what I'm asking you to do? He said, yes, I do. He said, okay. He said, you come back Friday night, and I want you to get up and testify to what God has done for you. So on Monday morning, we got a phone call from his family because he was living with his family. And they said, 
since last night you praying for him. Since then, he had been on a feeding tube. The nurse took out the feeding tube. He is eating food on his own. He is off the oxygen. He is out of the wheelchair because when they brought him, he was in a wheelchair. He's out of the wheelchair. He's walking around. He's off oxygen. He's eating food. And this happened in less than 12 hours, you see. And so he was telling his family members that he needed to go back to church on Friday because he wanted to testify what God had done. And family members that had been in the church said, but don't you know, the doctor has said you shouldn't be out because you're so susceptible. You could get pneumonia. If you got cancer, tuberculosis, and you're, you're and AIDS because your immune system is gone, what is pneumonia to you? <laughs> Serious. It didn't even make any sense. So he didn't come back. And he did not come back and testify and give his testimony on that Friday night. And by the next week, he was dead. Why? Because he didn't show up. Just as, all he had to do was show up. Other people will help you not show up. <laughs> but he's the one that paid the price for not showing up. His miracle was as simple. Holding to the miracle that had already begun working in him was just as simple as just show up. Just do what the man of God tells you to do. You don't even have to figure it out. He told you what to do. You don't even have to hear God's voice for yourself in that situation. The man of God heard for you because God so much wanted you to have your miracle. That he spoke it audibly through the mouth of another man and said, just come back and give testimony. He didn't say come back and do cartwheels, do flips, do anything dramatic. Just get up and just tell what God's already done. And he had something to tell because we heard it Monday morning. All he had to come do it was come and tell that Friday night. And it would have consummated his miracle. But he just failed to show up. And not showing up, he ended up in the grave. Amen. Our miracle sometimes is as easy as just show up. Just be where God told you to be. Just do what God told you to do. Amen. We have to remind ourselves of this all the time because naturally you can think. If your mind is not renewed, you can think, well, what good does it matter whether I show up or not and testify? If God wants me healed, he'll heal me. Because God said to, that's why. Amen. The Lord says, believe the prophets and you'll prosper. Believe what the man of God says. And it'll bless you. And if we don't believe what they say, it won't prosper us. It'll cost us. Amen. So how many times Christians miss out on their miracle for one reason? They didn't show up at church. They want to stay home and listen, nothing wrong with staying home and praying. But when God says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, then staying at home and praying many times is disobedience. That God doesn't hear, he can't respond to disobedience. That when he says to be in church, it's time to be in church. And I know you're in church. I mean, I'm not down in you. You're here. But I'm just saying, this is why you come. Because you know, show up. My miracle is, is waiting for me. Did you ever notice Jesus didn't go door to door and say, anybody sick here? 
that I can pray for anybody sick here, that I can pray for anybody sick here, that I can pray for anybody sick here, that I can pray for. He never went seeking out people. They had to show up to where he was. They had, if they wanted it bad enough, they had to get up out of their house. You know, the woman with the issue of blood, 12 years sick. Can you imagine the lack of strength? She's anemic. She's been losing blood from her body for 12 years. Not only that, she's been going to doctors all the while, suffered many things of many physicians. You can imagine what bad physical condition she's in. It took her 12 years to run through her money. She's not only sick, now she's broke. It would have been the easiest thing in the world for her to just stay at home. It would have just been the easiest thing in the world. You've been sick 12 years. Just keep being sick another 12 years. But I so appreciate about her. Although she had suffered for 12 years, she never decided, I don't want my healing anymore. She never decided, I'm okay with this. She never just settled for this working in her life. And the greatest thing she ever did was get up and get out of the house that day. Just got up, got dressed which is normal to us, but probably an ordeal for her. She had to get up, get dressed. Not only that, she had to go find where Jesus is at. You don't know how far she had to walk across town or across the region to find where he was at. There's no announcements. There's no computer, you know, uh, postings or on Facebook or something. You got to go find where is he at. And then when you do find him, there's multitudes around him. You got to get through it. How, did, how come she got her miracle? Because she was interested enough in receiving her miracle to show up. So good. And what an inconvenience. What an inconvenience that she went through. But I tell you what, so much of what God has for us is for those who just show up. They're interested enough to show up. Amen. Um, there was a um, one minister that he travels overseas a lot. And he told the testimony of something that happened when he went to one of these third world countries. They had invited him to come and do a crusade. And they did it in a big, uh, an outdoor arena. And they were introducing, well, they were doing all their preliminaries, rather, of the service. And uh, he was sitting on the front row waiting for them to introduce him. And as they were going through their preliminaries, he, there was a section of pastors that were supporting the meetings. And so the, um, while he's waiting for them to finish their preliminaries, he said, uh, all of a sudden, Jesus stood in front of him. And then he walked over to the pastor section. And one by one, he introduced the pastors to this traveling minister. This is Pastor and Mrs. So-and-so. They pastor in certain city and the name of their church. And that's what he did to 120 pastors. Gave them the name, the city they pastored in, and the name of their church. But after he would get finished introducing each one, he'd say, they're not interested. And then he'd go to the next one. This is pastor and Mrs. such and such. The name of their church is this, and this is where they live, and they're not interested. And then he'd just go down the line all 120 of them. He said out of the 120, he got in front of three different ones and said, and they're interested. And he said, now, for these three that I told you are interested, I have something more for them. So when you get up, you call them out and you minister because I've got something more for them. 
How many of you know showing up shows interest? Now, in our terms, it shows interest. But Jesus was pointing and introducing, pointing to and introducing pastors that had shown up. But evidently, that was not enough to show interest. It matters how you show up. Show up, but show up expecting something. Show up interested in the next thing God has for you. Amen? Amen? Because you can show up. Listen, I showed up every day in school wishing I wasn't there. Every day. I showed up every day in some classes to take a nap. And that's what I sh- that was my purpose in showing up for that class because that was my only nap time during the day. I guarantee you, just showing up is, is the beginning. But you have to show up the right way. Show up interested. Show up hungry. Show up saying, I'm not leaving without my help. God is going to meet my, he's going to meet my need tonight. Amen. Second Kings chapter five. Go with me if you would. Second Kings chapter five. And I'm going to take some time tonight and just read a few passages that we're going to look at. Because when we look at these miracles, we we're, we're impressed by what God has done, but I want us to see the simplicity of their obedience as to why they received a miracle or didn't receive a miracle. In Second Kings chapter 5, in verse 1, it says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. And he was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. So here there's this little... Jewish maid that's been carried into captivity and she's serving, but she has a a faith in God. Verse 9. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farfar, whatever those names are, you make it up, rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I, may I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do something great, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith unto thee, Wash and be clean? Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. I want you to see something. He went to the effort to show up, to go where the man of God was, but he showed up wrong. 
He showed up, but he showed up wrong. He showed up with a preconceived notion of how he was going to receive what he needed. And when it didn't meet his expectation, he got offended at it. So Naaman was insulted, number one, by not getting personal attention. We don't show up to get personal attention. The pastor didn't greet me. The pastor didn't say something to me. The pastor didn't acknowledge me. They didn't let me sing my favorite solo. We're not showing up for personal acknowledgement. Amen. And he was insulted when he was not personally acknowledged by the prophet because he was a man of honor. He was a man who who was highly regarded among his own. And then the second thing he was insulted by was the location. That river is not as good as the rivers where I'm from. Why can't I just pick my river? (laughs) Why can't I just go to the waters that are cleaner, they're better, these are dirty waters? Uh, He's insulted at the location, he's told. And then the last thing he's insulted by is the ease of the instruction. He wanted something that was more noble and worthy of him. And they said, if he would have told you to do something so hard, you'd have done it. And he didn't give you anything hard to do. He gave you something easy, and you won't even do it. That's God. He doesn't give us something hard to do. Amen. He gives us something easy to do. And many times we we have bypassed our miracle or delayed it because it was too easy what he was telling us to do and we didn't even recognize it as part of our miracle amen praise the lord he almost missed his miracle because he almost wouldn't show up at the right waters (laughs) what if he had gone to any old river and dipped seven times doesn't matter what if he had gone to that river and dipped six times no doesn't work we have to do it exactly the way god says without adding without subtracting, without giving our opinion, without giving our preference. And the longer I live and walk with God, the more I'm learning, get rid of preference. Preferences will get in your way of obeying the simplicity of what God tells you to do. Then go with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. And we'll start reading in verse 1. And I'm not going to read for time's sake the whole passage, but just the parts that will show us what we want to see tonight. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt, or we could say this, test Abram. Listen, God doesn't test anyone with evil. Amen? But, and and I would say this, God doesn't test us so much as prove us. That's what he's really after, to prove us. And he said unto Abraham, Abraham, uh, and Abraham said, Behold, I am here. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for burnt offering for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Now look at verse ten. So he travels with his son to the mountain that God directed him to. 
And verse 10, And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. So notice at the end of verse 2, he said, I want you to go to the land of Moriah. And he says, go up on one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. In other words, you don't get to pick. He gave him something to obey. Why couldn't he just go to the one that was close by? Because the angel wasn't talking on that mountain. What if he would have chosen a different mountain? There's no ram held in the thicket waiting for your obedience on that other mountain. If he would have gone to the wrong mountain, his son would have died. It matters that we just show up where God tells us to be. It's not hard. We don't have to add. We don't have to subtract. We don't have to figure it out. Just what did he say? It's what Mary said. Whatsoever he says to you, do it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So Abraham's provision was waiting for him at the place where God told him to be. I love, I love something that Brother Copeland says. He says, the place God tells you to be is your wealthy place. That's, right. That's where the provision of God, the health of God, everything that he has for you will show up when you're where he tells you to be. I remember something that years ago I was dealing with. This is probably about 30 years ago or so now. And I was dealing with um, some physical issue. And here, so I, so I start feeding on the word and I start quoting the word. And one day God said to me, uh, I want, he'd been dealing with me about starting a prayer group. And I hadn't done it. And uh, he said, if you would get to the church and do that prayer group, he said, all the symptoms will leave. See, I couldn't confess my way into health if I was going to disobey him in some other instruction. I went the first time, led the prayer group, and all, that, all the symptoms left. Because it, it wasn't an issue of healing, it was an issue of obedience. Amen. When I got where he told me to be, the provision that I needed met me there. Amen. Because you can confess and confess and meditate on healing scriptures, because that's, that's true and that's right. But if there's some obedience that is called for, And it might seem totally unrelated to you. I had no idea by neglecting to have this prayer group would affect my health, but it did. Amen. Go with me, if you would, and let's go to Numbers chapter 13. And we're just going to skim through a few of these miracles and see what obedience did for them. Numbers chapter 13, and we'll look at verse 22. Of course, God had spoken to his people, and he says, I've given you a land. It's a land that flows with milk and honey, and Moses had sent the 12 spies to spy out the land. 
And they came back, and Caleb and Joshua had a good report about the land, but the other ten had a negative report about the land. And after they heard the negative report, Numbers chapter 13 and verse 32, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it. And what's he saying? Let us show up. Let's go show up where he told us. We don't have to figure out, well, you know, no, we're not trained in military, but he told us to go. We don't have to put all this other stuff that we think is called for before we show up in place. He told us to go. Let's go up at once. Let's just show up and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Look at verse 31. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land. What's that mean? They refused to show up. It's just as simple as that. And they died in the wilderness, as you know, after wandering for 40 years. That's where all all doubters end up, dying in the wilderness, never arriving. Because they won't show up at what God told them to do. You know, there was one precious lady that... She was giving her testimony privately to me, and she's, uh, she's an older woman and travels and uh, preaches in lots of other countries, and she was believing God for a home of her own. And uh, <clears throat> she was going down the road, and she was just thanking God for her home, and there was a VA office, you know, and they will, there's VA loans for, you know, military, retired military people, and uh, those in military. And she said, well, God, I'm not military. And the Holy Ghost said, go into the VA office. So she goes into the VA office, and um, she said, um, I, I, I just came in here. <laughs> you know, she's talking to a lady at the counter and said, I, I just came in here because I felt impressed to come in here. And uh, you don't you don't give loans to people who aren't, in the military do you and they she goes no we don't and she's and then the lady behind the counter said this did you know that today they put a new law in motion for homeowners and then she quoted it she goes no i didn't know that so then she went to a person that she had been working with to get a loan and said did you know that they just put this in motion today she went to a banker and they said no we didn't know that and that information was what she needed that her banker could now help her get the loan for the house. It didn't make sense to go into the VA office when you're not military, but just show up where he tells you to be. And she, because she did that, she was missing one piece of information. And that one piece of information was taken to her own banker and got her in something that didn't make sense, but she just showed up where God told her to be instead of reasoning herself out of her help. Amen. Go with me to Second Chronicles chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20. And we're going to start reading in verse 15. Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 15. Jehoshaphat, of course, Him and God's people were being threatened. There were several enemy armies that had joined forces. 
and they were coming against God's people to attack them. And so Jehoshaphat called for a prayer meeting. And he got them together and they began to pray. And while they were praying to seek God's wisdom, a prophet that was in the crowd spoke up and gave this word in verse 15. Thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's tomorrow go ye down against them. So he tells them exactly the location where to go. Verse 17, you shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. So verse 20, it says, And they rose early in the morning, and they went forth into the wilderness. And then Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of, uh, inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. And that, and that should praise the, the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. And to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. Verse 22, and when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and the Mount of Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. Verse 25, and when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering the spoil. It was so much. So when they began to pray, God told them exactly where to go. And he said, you don't even need to fight in this battle. It's mine. Notice this. They couldn't stay back at home, though. They still had to show up to watch God fight for them. Amen. Amen. So much of the time people have this idea, well, if it's mine, why doesn't it automatically come? Because we still have to show up. God's going to do his part, but God gives us something to obey to do our part. God did not have them to show up to fight. He had them to show up to to praise and to gather. Start collecting and and, and uh, lapping up all the heaps of, of the wealth. So they had to show up. What was their main reason for showing up? To praise. You know, this is sometimes where people miss their miracle. They didn't show up to praise. Every miracle you have to show up to praise. Amen. And then you have to show up to gather. Gather up with your faith the healing that's yours. Gather up the supply that's yours. Gather up the wisdom that belongs to you. Amen. They were outnumbered, absolutely, but they were not outpowered. And I don't, it doesn't matter if you're outnumbered, show up. Amen. When the numbers are against you getting that new house, show up. When the numbers are against you starting that business, show up. Do whatever God says to do. Don't wait for the numbers to line up because you might be outnumbered but never outpowered. That's right. Amen. Luke chapter 17. Go with me if you would. Luke chapter 17. 
And we'll start reading in verse 12. Luke 17, verse 12. And as Jesus entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. That means that the process of leprosy was stopped in their bodies. But you know this, if you've, if you've ever seen anybody that's had leprosy, it doesn't just eat away at the skin. It goes after the bone. It, they'll lose digits. They'll lose fingers. They'll lose toes. It will eat off ears. It'll eat off the face. It'll eat off the nose. It'll eat off different parts of the body. So here it says they were cleansed. So that means the process of leprosy was stopped. Verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger, And Jesus said unto the man, Arise, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. We don't see any statement of faith. We don't see any confession of faith. All we see him doing is praising. And Jesus called that his faith. So we could say this, your praise has made you whole. Because praising is an expression, it's an act of faith. But the thing is, notice it's a different word used than it than is used in verse 14. The, the ten were cleansed, but this one is made whole. What's that mean? Body parts put back. What the leprosy ate away has been put back and restored. So we could say this, your praise put back body parts. That's how powerful praise is. Why? Because praise brings the anointing and the anointing destroys the yoke. So his praise made him whole. Now, Jesus was displeased that nine didn't return. Number one, why? Lack of gratitude. Lack of gratitude kept them out of wholeness. This one man, he, did, he not only showed up to ask for his miracle, but once he received it, he returned to the place where God blessed him. You get that? Many times people get a measure of what God has for them, but because they don't show up more than once. You can come to church once and God will bless you once, but he has more for you. And you can't receive it all in one time. And the more you show up time and time again, the more God has for you. And I have to wonder if the nine kicked themselves when they saw the next time they saw the one. Because he's got things, body parts put back. And they, and they go, what happened to you? Well, I showed back up again in gratitude. And I got more. Why was Jesus displeased? Well, first of all, it showed lack of gratitude, but not only that, He wanted them to have wholeness. 
He was not just satisfied that the process of leprosy was stopped. He wanted put back into their lives and bodies what that, that, what that ate up out of their lives. Amen. Jesus is not content with relief. He wants wholeness for you. Amen. How do you get it? One visit, you can't get it all. you got to keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. And the more you come, the more you get. And that's just as simple as it is. Why do some people just come every, every so often to church? Because that's all they want. But when you want it all, you show up. You keep, and you keep showing up. And you keep showing up. And you keep showing up. How many times have people come? Because listen, I pastored for 25 years. I know how people would come once and get help, get their family turned around, get, get healing for their bodies, something put back into their life. And after a period of time, the gratitude started waning and they quit showing up. And before long, their life is in worse condition than it was before they came the first time. Why was it? Because the devil? No, they quit showing up. Our miracle is as simple as showing up. A life of victory is as simple as keep showing up. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 1. See, we're in New Testament now, right? So this is really, this, this is really Bible. Can't say, oh, that's Old Testament. Acts chapter 1. And we're going to start. We're going to look at verse 4. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them that they should not... You understand this is after he's been raised from the dead and he's appearing to them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now look at verse 13. So Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem and wait there for the promise to be given. Verse 13 And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room. What's that mean? They showed up. Where he told them to be, they showed up. Look at verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, and then it says this, the number of names together were about 120. Now notice there's 120 in the upper room. But we know that more than, tw- more than the disciples were invited because there's more than the disciples there. Any other time, we only have Jesus appearing to a, a, a couple of women. We have him appearing to the disciples on several occasions. But there's only one time that we see him, uh, that he appeared to a large gathering. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you don't turn there, I'll just quote it. Paul said that Jesus appeared to more than 500 at one time. So what do we know? He invited more than the disciples there because more than the disciples were there. There were 120. So we have to assume that more than the 12 were invited. Were these 500 invited? I would say they were invited. And so we see this. It says over 500 were there. 
but only 120 made it. Where were the 380? They just didn't show up. And they missed the next thing that God was doing. They might have seen what happened about Jesus' death and they saw him raised from the dead, but even something spectacular, Jesus appearing to him, couldn't get him to the right place. It's amazing to think Jesus shows up and they still don't all. They still don't show up where he tells them to be or they're waiting. They're going to get there, but they're going to wait for a report to come back, you know. They're not willing to wait until that time happens because it's not a specific definite time. It's just a general time given. People will show up when it's convenient. But if it brings them into inconvenience, having to wait a little longer than maybe they expected, they don't always show up. I don't know about you, but I don't want God to do something in a service and I missed it. Just be, I missed the next thing God was bringing the congregation into just because I wasn't there. When Ed would be on the road, I would say to Ed, teach, but don't flow. <laughs> because I don't want something really great happening if I'm not there. Yeah, right. I can get the tape and listen to the teaching, but if something else comes in a manifestation... I don't want to not be there. And the thing you don't want to do, and there have been times in 25 years of pastoring that when certain people left, God started moving. And I certainly would hate that when I didn't show up, God did. (laughs) Well, praise the Lord. I don't want to miss the next great thing God is doing. Talk about the man that was a, a paralyzed man and he's on a bed. And uh, he has four faith friends. And they didn't wait for Jesus. Well, can you go tell Jesus, come out here, we got a man, you know, on a bed. They did not wait for a convenient time. They made their own entrance. They, in their own inconvenience, they pulled this man on a bed up on top of a house and started taking the roof apart, and it's not their house. This is risky business. And they're on the roof. They're taking apart. Now that ought to alarm somebody. (laughs) And they let him down. What are they doing? One showing up. Just show up. And Jesus saw their faith. What what did their faith look like? Showing up. It just looked like showing up. (laughs) Well, praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad God made it this simple. Because I, I can show up. I can just show up. I remember that I've always wondered about this. There was a precious pastor, him and his wife, and they were young, I would say early 30s. And she came down with terminal cancer. And Ed went on purpose. Because Ed knew that there was help in the anointing on his life for people. And if they would put a demand on it. And he went on purpose to their church. And I know he had in mind the wife of the pastor. And when he came home, I said, did you minister to her? And he said, she didn't show up. I said, what do you mean she didn't show up? Well, she said she's been going through treatment and she's lost her hair and she's too embarrassed to show up. Well, she died. She didn't have to. Because there was an anointing to kill cancer on that man. But just being embarrassed to show up. The man on the bed wasn't embarrassed to tear up a roof and let them down. And you know he wasn't wearing his finest that day. 
He probably looked his worst. I mean, he's never walked. You know that he, it, it's not about how you look. You've got to get rid of some things about this natural pride thing and just show up. I don't care what I look like. I'm showing up. I'm getting mine. Amen. And I don't care if I look wild and crazy. And I'm wide-eyed and bug-eyed. I'm getting mine. I'm showing up. Because faith is as simple as showing up. But showing up expecting something. Because I tell you, what's, wor- what's the worst thing for a preacher is to preach to people who showed up expecting nothing. Yeah. It's like, why'd you even show up? <laughs> if you're not going to expect, why show up? Amen. So let's stir ourselves up that we're, gonna, we're not just going to show up, but we're going to show up the right way. Amen. Amen. Jerry Horton, who Doc and Jerry Horton were close friends of Dad Hagen's for many, many decades. And she sat in our house and she said, I would rather preach to five to 50 hungry people than 5,000 who don't care. Amen. Well, I decide when I show up that I want God to see somebody showed up the right way. You know, I hear there are sports fans in this part of the world. Yeah, and uh, but let's go for a minute beyond college football and let's talk about professional. Let's just look at a professional team because in a professional, any professional team, you, you've got spectators and you have participators. The great difference is not that one's fit and one's unfit. You know, the ones that are fit are on the field. The ones that are unfit, we're in the stands. But... The spectators pay to be there, and the participators get paid to be there. There's a difference how you show up. And I don't want to show up as a spectator because it's going to cost me something. It's going to cost me a miracle I could have had. But if I participate, and I'm hungry, and I draw, and I become a doer, I get paid because I was there. Amen. It benefits my life. It blesses my life. Something's added to me. Amen. Stand with me to your feet tonight. Are you helped? Miracles are just as began in in such a place, just as easy as just showing up. Be where God told you to be. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that it's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. We're so, so grateful for your word. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for doing the hard part. And you gave us the easy part to do. Father, it's an honor to obey your word. It's an honor to move with you. Thank you for the Holy Ghost who leads us in our doing. We purpose to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. To do as he would have us to do, as he would instruct us to do. Because on the other end of doing is our answers. On the other end of our doing is the miracles and the help and the clarity, the wisdom, the victory that belongs to us. Thank you for giving us something to obey. That's our help. Thank you for that. Father, we're not looking to do nothing. We're looking to fully obey what you have for us. And so tonight we thank you for what you have for us. We worship you. We give you glory and honor and thanks.
Father, we thank you for an a increased degree, a mantle upon this upon this place, upon this pastor, upon this church, a greater mantle of healing. A greater degree of healing power resting upon this place. We thank you that people will just walk in and healing power will meet them. That even before services begin, we thank you that healing power will meet them. Bodies will come into place. Power will begin working and answering those physical needs. We thank you, Father, for that healing mantle. We thank you for that healing mantle that that weighs and rests heavily upon this place. We thank you. We thank you, Father. We thank you for it, Father. You know, one of the things that Dad Hagen said about the healing revival of the 1947 to 1958, he said healing was in the air. He said it was so easy to get people healed, it was just in the air. That's what God's doing here. Amen. That mantle that is just in the air. People just come in to that atmosphere. Amen. Because God is so looking for opportunities to heal. Jesus is so, he's not, he's not looking for the opportunity to withhold. He's looking for opportunities to meet people's needs. Amen. Father, we thank you for that. Hallelujah. But what's that mean for us? That means we need to say it. Father, we thank you that when we go to church, that just people walking into the presence of that, to that sanctuary, that anointing will meet them. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Right where you're at, just raise up your hands. Father, I thank you for divine increase, divine increase, divine ideas, open doors of financial opportunities, lost funds restored in multiplied fashion, coming back to these people for there's a great work to fund. And you're the ones that God anoints and empowers to fund it. So don't think of yourself limitedly. God authorizes you now. God authorizes you to flow in abundance. Amen. Father, I speak that divine abundance upon them in Jesus' name. It comes. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.